Hello and welcome to another installment of the Weird Chronicles. Each episode, we bring you tales of action and adventure from Malifaux and the other side. On today's episode, we continue the story of Joseph Denton, who broke into an abandoned orphanage in search of easy cash. He brought home a tin soldier for his son Christopher to play with. But in Malifaux, even the most innocent-seeming objects can harbour dark secrets. I hope you enjoy the conclusion of Someone Else's Toys. Denton opened his eyes. The bedroom was surprisingly bright. Moonlight reflected off the snow outside and streamed in through the window. He could hear the soft snores of his son in the bed next to his. It had taken several minutes and another promise of sweets to mollify him following the incident in the living room. Even now he shivered as his thoughts drifted back to that boy sitting in the living room, playing with his son's toys. What had he seen? He had heard strange stories about ghosts and restless spirits, creatures that stalked the night slaking their unholy thirsts on the souls of good men and women, but those stories were a far cry from the little boy he had seen standing in a freezing street and playing with tin soldiers in his living room. He rolled over, trying to get comfortable. A heavy creak on the stairs outside his room sent an icy chill through his blood. Perhaps it was just the cold playing hell with the decaying wood. Another creak followed the first. Denton recognised the sound. Someone was ascending the staircase trying not to be heard and doing a poor job of it. Someone was in his house. He slipped from the bed, ignoring the shocking cold of the bedroom. In the moonlight, he saw Christopher grumble and roll over. Tremors of fear racked his body as he edged towards the bedroom door. Lacking a weapon, he balled his fist as tight as he could and reached for the handle. He threw the door open. Beyond, a woman dressed in a long nightdress and shawl stood at the door to McNally's room. By all the gods, you scared me, Mary, said Denton, exhaling the breath he didn't know until now he had been holding. What are you doing up so late? Mary turned. Her face was gone, replaced by a hideous mask of tiny eyes and a yawning maw lined with needle-like teeth. Denton tried to scream but the creature took a mighty breath, inhaling the sound, drawing in his terror. Two sharply taloned pincers shot out, grabbing Denton by the throat and choking off his second scream. Slowly, the monster drew him in, inching his face towards the glistening chasm of its mouth. The jaws closed over him, fangs pressing against the flesh of his cheeks. It breathed out, Denton bolted upright. The image of the monster's fetid jaws still burned in his mind. It took him several heart-pounding moments to realise he had been dreaming. Weak sunlight crept into the room from the window. It was dawn. He looked over the recumbent form of his sleeping son and fell back into bed, sweat cooling on his fevered brow. It was late in the day, well past noon by the time Joseph Denton rose from his bed. The night's events had taken a toll on his nerves and fatigue pulled at him. 
Groggily, he dressed and came downstairs. Christopher sat playing quietly with his tin soldiers, while McNally's girl, Mary, continued her never-ending war against clutter and dust. Hello, son, said Denton. The boy ignored him. Mary looked over at them and smiled sadly. He thinks you are out drinking, like you did before his mother passed. Is that true, Chris? Denton asked. Is that what you think I was doing? Christopher mumbled something over his shoulder. His game with tin soldiers slowed to a halt. Denton sat beside his son. I promised you I'd never drink again. Why would you think I've started again? You promised me you'd play with me yesterday. And you promised me sweets. And you didn't do either, said the boy. And you were gone all night. I thought you'd stopped keeping promises. The bigger man slipped his arms around his son and hugged him. I'm sorry, Chris. I'm so, so sorry. I haven't gone back on the booze. Uncle Ali and me had a bit of a rough day yesterday and I went for a walk to clear my head. I lost track of time, but I'm not drinking. Christopher sniffed and looked up at his father. Really, Dad? Honest? I didn't fall down, did I? Or wake the whole house with my shouting and carrying on? And I didn't get mad and fight with anybody, did I? No, Dad. Well then, that proves it, doesn't it? The boy gave a small smile. Does that mean we can play today? It certainly does. Run upstairs and get the rest of your toys. If we're going to play guild and anarchists, we'll need all the toys for these brave guardsmen to fight, won't we? The boy giggled and scampered off to hunt down a worthy foe for his tin soldiers to combat. Denton clambered to his feet and reached for the coffee pot, delighted to find it half full and still warm. That boy dotes on you, you know, said Mary. He was devastated when he thought you might be drinking again. Well, I'm not, so he has nothing to worry about. You sure about that? asked Mary. Little Christopher says he found you talking to nobody last night when you got in. That doesn't sound like the actions of a clean and sober man to me. Denton shivered and took another gulp of coffee. The front door to the house banged open and some sort of animated snowman stumbled in. It swore in a thick Scottish accent, continuously and fluently for a full minute, without pausing for breath or repeating itself. Denton smirked and poured a second cup of coffee. Cold outside, Ali. McNally shook the thick crusting of snow off himself while Mary struggled to help him with his coat and boots. Finally graced us with your presence, eh? said the Scotsman, not sure if they should be pleased with that or not. Denton looked puzzled. What's that supposed to mean? McNally slumped down in a chair, warmed his hands around the coffee, and eyed Denton warily. Valentovitz is dead, he said simply. Denton stared in disbelief at his partner. What do you mean he's dead? They'd have thought that was pretty clear, Joe. He's dead, deceased, no longer among the living, shuffled off this mortal coil. I know what dead means. When did it happen? How did it happen? Sometime last night, said McNally. He had a peculiar look in his eye as he explained. Someone broke into his place after sundown, slipped right past guards and his doxies. They say he was messed up pretty bad almost unrecognisable. Remind you of anything? What are you trying to say, Ali? 
You were out an awful long time last night, Joe. I know what the drink does to you, especially when your temper is up. Word is, his bodyguard found a little tin soldier on the corpse, just like the ones you lifted from that orphanage. You think I killed him? asked Denton incredulously. I think you've got the skills and the motive. I think you had the opportunity. And I think you have a long history of making bad decisions when people talk about your family. Denton stood up, his fist sponged. I didn't kill him, Ali. I never wanted to work for him, but I'm not that stupid. McNally looked away. Christopher appeared at the top of the stairs, his arms filled with a menagerie of stuffed bears, model trains, and other toys. As he moved to descend, one of the tin soldiers slipped from his grasp. He stepped down on it, losing his footing almost immediately. The toys spilled from his hands, showering down the stairs as he flailed his arms in an attempt to keep his balance. The little boy lost his battle with balance and followed swiftly after, tumbling down the wooden staircase like a rag doll. Denton was on his feet in a moment, rushing to the foot of the stairs. Christopher was sobbing, and great fat tears were streaming down his face. Denton fussed over him, panic supplanting common sense. Mary was next to him in a moment, calming the boy with soothing words and a delicate touch. Together, they carried him upstairs. It had taken a good long while to get Christopher off to sleep. Mary had examined him once he was down and declared his injuries to be less severe than they looked. A bad sprain, she had said, but nothing that a few days' bed rest wouldn't fix. Denton sat with his son, holding his hand and telling him stories until he drifted off to sleep. He had wanted to go back downstairs to confront McNally about his accusations, but his son's welfare took precedence. Despite his worry, McNally's words rang in his ears. The mounting anger he had felt downstairs became a cold simmer, burning in his gut. With his son finally asleep, Denton crawled into his own bed. Mary had stuck her head around the door to announce she and McNally were retiring some time earlier. Alone with his thoughts, Denton considered what McNally's news meant. With Valentovitz gone, the two thieves would be free to seek work elsewhere. His death was something of a windfall for Denton and his son. Of course, others might not see it that way. If McNally had leapt to the wrong conclusion, others might also. He had hardly been circumspect in his last conversation with Sisman. A man like Valentovitz had no shortage of enemies, but criminals were a simple bunch, more likely to lash out at who they thought was responsible rather than who actually was. Even so, Denton could not help but feel a little elation at the passing of one of the slum's most notorious thugs. The tin soldier puzzled him, though. Why would someone leave that as a calling card? Was he being framed? Had Sisman finally had enough of his boss's thuggery and was hoping to use him as a patsy? Not particularly likely. In fact, only McNally, Mary and Christopher even knew about the soldiers. Could McNally have done it? Denton chuckled at the thought. Alistair McNally was many things, a thief, a liar and a reprobate, but not a killer. Besides, he had been in all night with Mary. Deciding this was a matter better left for wiser heads, Denton closed his eyes. The dream came on like before. Denton was climbing the stairs in the orphanage. 
The stairs were narrow, wooden, and rickety like the ones in his house. They stretched up and up, disappearing into darkness above him. The same nebulous threat pursued him. He quickened his pace, fearing what should happen if the threat ever caught up to him. The darkness gradually receded, and Denton came upon an infinite hallway. Countless doorways, empty and bleak, lined the walls. Two tin soldiers, dirty and broken, stood at his feet. He knelt to look at them. Each was identical to the ones he had taken from the orphanage, right down to the chipped paint. A flicker of movement caught his eye. A young boy, about his son's age and dressed for bed, ran across the hallway. Denton left the toy soldiers and ran after the child. He called out to him. His voice, hollow and empty, echoed back from the empty corridor. He slowed as he approached the door the boy had dashed into. It was a playroom. A bright summer's day was painted gaily across the walls in joyful, simple colours, like those a child might use. Toys and games were neatly arranged around the room, and a boy, tousled hair and white nightshirt, sat in its centre. Before him, a toy chest lay open, revealing rows of tin soldiers laying in formation. In the final row, two soldiers were missing. The boy looked up at Denton. His eyes were the deepest blue the thief had ever seen, like the deepest ocean back on Earth. But something was off about them. They were the rebellious eyes of an older boy who believed he knew everything there was to know about the world, not the curious eyes that a boy of his age should have possessed. He smiled. The room began to shift. The toys shed their shapes and slid into new and hideous forms. The bright paint peeled away, flaking off to reveal cracked and warped plaster beneath. The boy watched all this with an amused grin then reached out and gently patted the empty space where the soldiers were missing from his trunk. The creatures surrounding him, the twisted things that had been toys only a few moments earlier, surged forward. Denton turned and ran. The hallway stretched away before him, impossibly long. Behind him, the creatures boiled through the corridor, cackling and gibbering manically. Denton ran and ran his heart hammering in his chest. His legs burned with effort, but his fear of the things behind urged him onwards. Denton could feel his legs slowing, as if he were running through molasses. Each stride became more and more difficult. Time seemed to slow to a crawl, and his breath caught in his chest. Suddenly the top of the stairs were in front of him, and he was moving too fast to arrest his pace. The ground rushed up to meet him, a wall of wooden floorboards. His body crashed into it, collapsing in on itself. He felt bones breaking, organs rupturing, the roar of blood rushing in his ears. Denton woke up, tangled in his sheets, a pillow pressed to his face. He struggled out of the tangled bedclothes, those last few moments of the dream still fogging his mind. Then he heard the screams. Denton stumbled out his bedroom. McNally's body lay in a twisted heap at the foot of the stairs. He was dressed in his nightclothes, but his neck was wrenched at an awful angle. One worn and faded slipper still dangled limply from his foot. Mary stood over him, wailing in anguish.
the snow had finally subsided. Malifaux was still wreathed in white, but for now at least no more fell. Joseph Denton stood in the freezing street, watching as the body of his friend and cohort was carried out. Mary sobbed onto the shoulder of one of the neighbourhood women. A lump rose in his throat as McNally's body was loaded onto the back of the big black cart. The tall undertaker spoke quietly for a moment with Mary before returning to the cart. His companion, a crude-looking thug who was chewing on a cigar, snapped the reins and sent the cart crawling away through the slush. Still quietly weeping, one of the neighbourhood women led Mary inside a nearby house. Alone now, Denton's mind whirled. Two deaths in as many days, and both of them related to him in one way or another. Could it really be a coincidence? His dreams and visions of the young boy in the nightshirt must mean something, mustn't they? And what of the toy soldiers? First one was found on the body of Valentovitz, and another had tripped McNally and his boy down the stairs. Was it a curse? Was something punishing him for taking things from that orphanage? Denton dragged himself inside his house. The living room was cold. No fire had been lit and a thin sheen of ice crawled up the inside of the windows. Christopher sat, wrapped in his bedclothes at the top of the stairs. Joe smiled weakly up at him. Christopher freed a hand from his woolly cocoon and waved back. The top of a tin soldier poked out from inside the blanket. Get dressed, son, Denton said. We need to go out for a little while. The journey to the orphanage took far longer than he had anticipated. The thick snow slowed him significantly, and bringing his son only stunted his progress further. He would have preferred to leave him behind, but with Mary mourning McNally's death, she was in no shape to watch over him, and he could not leave the boy alone. Christopher could only walk for short periods of time. The cold ate through his thin winter coat, and his twisted ankle pained him considerably. So after the first few streets, Denton began to carry him. It was marginally quicker, but night had still fallen by the time they drew up outside the grim structure. Why are we here, Dad? Christopher sleepily asked. I took something from here, replied his father. It didn't belong to me, but I think I need to put it back. Why did you take it? It was a present. His son's brow furrowed in sleepy confusion. But if it wasn't yours, isn't that bad? That's right, son. That's why I have to put it back and say I'm sorry. Denton set his son down and heaved at the window he and McNally had opened previously. It groaned in protest, shedding a small avalanche of snow. With the window open, Denton lifted his son through and followed him inside. Now then, Denton said, I'm only going to be a few minutes. Can you be a good boy and wait here for me? Don't go wandering off now, okay? I won't, Dad, I promise. That's a good boy. Denton sat his son down in the dust by the window and crept off into the darkness. The orphanage was just how they had left it. Its skeletal furniture and empty places remained undisturbed by the passage of time. Denton crept down the main hallway, coming upon the pile of toys where he had found the first tin soldier. He lifted the soldier out of his pocket and carefully placed it back on the floor. 
He looked around as if waiting for some sign of approval, but the hallway was silent and still. He licked his lips nervously and retreated back to his son. The spot by the window was empty. A small pile of rapidly melting snow was all that remained to mark the position where he had left Christopher. Frantically, Denton looked around. He called for his son, shouting his name. From upstairs, his son's voice answered. We're up here, Dad! Denton stood at the foot of the staircase. Above him, the wooden steps disappeared into shadow. He mounted the stairs. He could hear his son talking with someone, evidently another child by the sounds of it. As he ascended each step, an unsettling feeling fell upon him. His heart beat ever faster, and tears began to brim around his eyes. By the time he reached the landing, he was trembling all over. A soft yellow light spilled out from a doorway not far down the corridor, a doorway he knew led to the playroom. Choking back a fear-filled sob, Denton approached the door. Beyond, the playroom was lit by small oil lamps. Christopher sat on the floor, his sprained ankle stretched out in front of him. He had two tin soldiers in his hands. Across from him sat the boy from his visions and dreams, still clad in his white nightshirt. He looked up as Denton entered. Thank you for bringing back my toys, said the boy in the nightshirt. I was so upset when you took them. The hint of accusation in his voice was difficult to miss. I, I'm sorry I did that, stammered Denton. But now that everything is back where it should be, we should go. I want to stay a bit longer, Dad, Christopher whined. We just started playing. Denton's eyes didn't stray from the other boy and his grin. We can play tomorrow. All day if you'd like, I promise. You said that last time and we didn't play at all. You just stayed out all night and didn't bring me any sweets. Come on now, son. Tears had begun to stream down Denton's face and his words came out in strangled sobs. I said I was sorry about that. I promise we'll play tomorrow, but we have to leave now. The boy in the nightshirt regarded Denton woefully. It seems like he wants to stay here. I think he should too. He cast a sideways glance at the other boy, a mischievous look appearing in his eyes. I can introduce him to my friends. No, screamed Denton. He lunged forward, reaching for his son, but a wide, razor-edged claw gripped his shoulder and held him in place. I think you should go, said the boy in the nightshirt. Maybe this will teach you a lesson about playing with other people's toys. The clawed hand spun Denton around. He stared up into a nightmarish face of burning red eyes, twisting horns and a yawning mouth lined with dagger-like teeth. He opened his mouth to scream. The teeth snapped shut. It was morning when they found him. Two guild guards stood over his body, which was blue from exposure and dusted with snow. Weird, said the first. What is? asked his companion. In his hand here, he looks like a toy soldier. Let's take a look. The second guard knelt by Denton's body and wrestled a toy soldier from his frozen fingers. 
He turned the tin man over in his hands, running an appraising eye over its chipped paint, then shrugged and slid it into his pocket. Hey, that's evidence, protested the first guard. Oh, shut up, replied the second as he stood up. No one is going to care about a deadbeat like this. Besides, reckon my son would love this. That's it for another installment of the Weird Chronicles. Join us next time for more tales of action and adventure. <laughs>